You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptops, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Last night was another insane, super fun Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. It was so much fun. I love these. It's, it's, it's just grown into something that has become easily one of my favorite parts of the week. It is so much fun to connect, hang out with people, even though we are socially isolated. I love it, and I suggest that you come next week. The link for that is available in the description of this podcast. It is the same link every week. It is a reoccurring meeting. So you grab it, you save it, and you join us next week and come have some good times with some of the Vox and Hops alumni, other Vox and Hops heads, some of my best friends come to these, and I love when that happens. We get a lot of stories about me growing up. It's a uh, Funny for you, embarrassing for me, but I, I allow it to happen because uh, I love everyone so much. All month long, this is a spotlight on Redefining Darkness Records Month. I love doing these. It's very important to shine some light on extreme music. And the best way to do that is to go to the Redefining Darkness Bandcamp page. For this month, there is a promo code that you can use to get 15% off of all your vinyl, CD, and cassette purchases. There's a whole bunch of really cool shit up there. You should absolutely go check it out and use that promo code. The promo code when you're checking out is Vox and Hops. That is V-O-X ampersand H-O-P-S. And you will get 15% off of all your vinyl, CD, and cassette purchases. Do it. Support extreme music. On today's episode, I am with someone who comes to a lot of these Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday hangs. It's always good to see him. The great AJ Vienna. The drummer of Hath, Cognitive, The American Standard, and Ophidius. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 149. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with AJ Vienna, the drummer of Hath, Cognitive, Ophidius, and the American Standard. Yeah. How are you? It's good to be with you. Great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling good. Uh, the sun is shining here in Montreal. It hasn't been doing that very much during these social isolation days. Yeah. Wish we could say the same. In, uh, in New Jersey, I feel like we've been in a constant, uh, a constant fog of overcast. Mm-hmm. It's been a uh, doom and gloom. It, it fits, <laughs> it fits the, the times. So uh, uh, yeah. How are you coping with social isolation? Good. Uh, it's kind of been... I kind of feel like it's been business as usual for me. I'm on the, uh, during, during the weeks, I, I kind of, if I don't have like sessions or anything like that going on, I'm usually at home, uh, playing video games and drinking beer and eating way too much. So this is a par for the course. I feel like it has been difficult. I, I am, I cook at home and I've been exploring <laughs> all kinds of different recipes. It's fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've been, uh, I've actually actually talking to my wife about this earlier. I was like, we've, We've never cooked, I feel like, as much as we have since all of this went down. And it's like, why why do we never leave the house more often? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, we always had, had to come up with excuses not to go to our friend's mm-hmm. shows. Now, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> there are no shows sadly yeah yeah and then now 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 the powers that be say that we can't go to our friends shows <laughs> <laughs> let's touch on um playing drums you i i always ask every drummer that i interview especially drummers that are in 
one, two, three, four bands. <laughs> I'm sure there's more on the back burner too. Why are the extreme drummers always in all the bands? I feel like at, at least around here, I feel like like death metal drummers, death metal drummers are uh, kind of hard to come by. Um, especially, I feel like ones that are doing like the 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 faster BPM stuff, like like drummers who can play in the like the two twenties and and above. I feel like they're kind of few and far between. So the the ones that are the ones that are around kind of feel like they're getting pulled in in every which way of uh, of bands trying to get them to 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 play and you know and all that stuff. So I feel like that's kind of it. It's just at least around here, there's not that many of us. <laughs> Take me back to your youth. What is the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents' house? Uh, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? Oh, man. Uh, my dad was a huge, uh, or is a huge, like, classic rock fiend. So, like, it was always, you know, Pink Floyd, uh, Fleetwood Mac, stuff like that. Um, my, my entire family loves, to, to the ends of the earth, ABBA. And, and I'm... I kind of grew up with that too, so like even now I'm just you know kind of toss it on in the background and 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 sing unabashedly. <laughs> um, and then apart from like that kind of stuff, my mom was huge into um, I guess it's it's like a adult alternative rock. So like anything anything that was like pop oriented between like the 80s and 90s and now she's like all about. So it was between those two, I was getting like every every which way of the spectrum as far as music went. There's definitely no shame in loving ABBA because there would be no ghost without ABBA, in my opinion. I feel like the, the standards for songwriting wouldn't be what they were if not for ABBA. I feel like they, they, they'd change the way people thought music should be as far as like arrangements and things like that. It's, it's kind of funny, but it's great. <laughs> when did you stumble into, what was your first band that was yours and wasn't your parents'? probably if it wasn't metallica it was iron maiden but when i first was like introduced to them i was like like fuck what is this and then you know just kind of like spiraled down the rabbit hole from there and it pretty much like i i feel like i blew out the whole like new wave of british heavy metal scene as far as like those bands went like i just was like trying to get as much of it as i could and then uh a few like like several years into like that a buddy of mine was like, yo, you should check out Dream Theater. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I'm, that kind of like opened up a whole other field of like progressive music that I had never heard of. And it was funny because that, uh, that same friend was like, yo, you should check out this album. It's going to sound a little weird. The band name is called Death. And, uh, and you should check out their album Symbolic. And then that like blew the lid off of everything from there. It was like, I didn't know music could be like this. <laughs> and then just, you know, got heavier and heavier, faster, faster from there. <laughs> you're, you're a multi-instrumentalist. Uh, what instrument came first to you, though? I, so I wanted to play drums since I was like, I was probably like 10 years old. I wanted to, to play drums because in school, all the drummers pretty much just carried around a pair of sticks and practice pad where everybody else was carrying around like cases of like whatever so i'm like that looks easy i could totally walk around with a practice pad and a set of sticks and be good my parents were like absolutely not that's too much noise in the house pick literally anything else so then i i was like oh well i'll learn to play guitar and then i i think i took lessons playing guitar for about a year or two and uh and after that i was like this is cool and all 
drums, man. Like I want to, I want to play drums. And then like, once I got into, into high school, well, middle school, high school, I, um, I was with the band and I was doing drums for the school band and <laughs> dropped the guitar lessons like a, like a sack of potatoes and then went <laughs> full fledged into full fledged into drum lessons and all that crap. Uh, but you were very wrong about just carrying around uh, yeah. a, a practice yeah. pad. No. Yeah, no, yeah. No one told me playing uh, drums in an act in like a in like a band band, not like a school band setting, was uh, was awful in terms of load in and load outs. <laughs> Hopefully, you have a nice singer that helps you out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're setting up merch in the defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let we'll let them go away with that. <laughs> well, what what would be the first live music that you ever saw? Uh, the the first concert that I was taken to see, well, my parents thought it was uh, fun for me to go see Yanni. I don't know if you're familiar am, with that. Yes, yeah. uh, yes, my very first concert was a Yanni concert, and uh, and it was I, I was I was oh man I was probably like twelve years old or something like that. So the whole time I'm just like, what is happening right now? There's like <laughs> there's there's so many lights. There's there's like these weird sounds coming from the stage like. This is bizarre. And then after <laughs> that, my like my second concert, my parents took me to go see uh, Bruce Springsteen, and uh, New Jersey. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, we saw Bruce Springsteen in Philadelphia, so not even <laughs> in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I think those were like very close. I think they were almost back to back. They were th- at least within the same year that I saw those two. And and then the concerts with the family became few and far between, and then the uh, the the basement and bar shows <laughs> became more and more frequent. Uh, am I wrong? Is is Springsteen from Jersey or is it jo- Bon Jovi? Oh, uh, they're both from New Jersey. Okay, cool. I had this as I said, and I was like, oh no, I made a mistake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Editing it out. But yeah. <laughs> uh, what about those bar gigs? Do you remember what was different about that? It was yours. That grimy atmosphere. Well, do you remember that first underground metal show that you saw? Uh, not, I couldn't even remember who who I went and saw, but it was probably like a friend's band that I probably went to go see. Um, and we, the the very first uh, concert I rem- I can vi- vaguely remember. There's a uh, a pool hall around here called the Q Club, and they used to hold shows all the time, and it was an absolute shit show. And uh, the one show I vividly remember was a, a local band called Adder, and they were opening up for Recon. And, uh, and I, I don't remember, but I want to say that maybe Brain Drill was on that show too. And the whole time I'm there, I'm just like, this is, what is, like, there's just, similarly to the Yanni concert, it was like, what is happening right now? There's so many sounds and, and, and whatever happening. And I remember someone climbed on top of the, uh, the PA stack. It stood maybe like 10 feet high and just like ate shit off of it. And it was, it was wonderful. He's like, this is where I want to live every night now. This, yeah. This is, this is just set up a cot in the corner and I am never leaving this place. <laughs> Vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music and craft beer. What beer do you have on your side there, AJ? I have uh, Carl the Great uh, by a brewery around here called Broken Goblet. Uh, it is a uh, a Russian imperial stout aged in wild turkey bourbon whiskey barrels. 
and it comes in at a uh, at a at a soft eleven point one. Ooh, day drinking. I go, that's, what else is there to do? <laughs> Matt, uh, you crack that open, and while you do that, I'll tell you what I got on my side. I have a Brasserie Artisanales Maltstrom. This is their IXXPL de Prairie, their India Double Extra Pale Lager. Ooh. It is uh, one of my favorite breweries. I don't know if I've had them on the podcast yet, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're single their india extra pale ale not this is the double version was like really one of the important uh, craft beers and turning me into an even bigger nerd so uh, cheers to maltstrom uh, this one clocks in at a very smooth 8.6 percent abv you know we got it we got to do stuff for the metal right so i'm gonna crack mm-hmm. this open tell me how that tastes and what do you think about that ah uh, it's it's uh it's delicious very smooth um very 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 high with the chocolate it feels like on uh, on these guys and uh it, the uh my group of friends is a running joke with uh the carl the great line that broken goblet does in general uh that someone has been uh, uh negatively impacted <laughs> by uh, by carl the great because it's like it's one of those like one and dones i think they serve them in like a 10 ounce uh pour at the brewery and uh sometimes one is all you need and uh this is a beer that'll get you there i keep telling myself that but you know what happens. Uh, of course. Cheers. Thank you so much for cheers. coming on Vox and Ops. Cheers. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. This is uh, uh, lightly bitter, uh, really smooth for 8.6%. Um, juicy, tropical notes. Uh, slightly hazy, but not quite. It's it's always a pleasure to drink a Malston brew. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk about craft beer. It sounds like you're a craft beer enthusiast, but are you truly enamored with craft beer? I am. I. They're definitely a uh, a first choice for me if I'm going to like a like a bar or restaurant. The very usually the very first thing I ask is what do you have craft wise on tap. Um, and if they uh, if if they don't have any, then I'm I'm usually pretty okay with uh, whatever whatever they have. Uh, a usual go to for me is my uh, is my show water, which is a uh, PBR. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's usually a good uh, default if I'm out like at a show or something like that, and just you know want something to get, to kind of get me going. That's uh, that's not going to kill me tomorrow. <laughs> the PBR is usually where I'll go if they don't have a decent craft beer on tap. That's that's not what I do. But <laughs> <laughs> let's touch on a half because uh, I I reached out to you through the half Facebook page because huge shout out to Jerry Monk. The Vox and Hops head who sent me your record back in August or September. I can't quite remember. I think it was the end of August of 2019. And on that day, I had asked all Vox and Hops heads to send me what they're listening to. And I was going to make a playlist. The Vox and Hops heads, what are we listening to playlist. So I put them all, all these suggestions from all these people into a Apple Music playlist. And I went to work with it on shuffle in my ear. And every single time a half track came on, I was like, who is this? What is this one? And I'm like, oh, it's half. Okay. And then again, oh, it's half. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to listen to that record. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sold immediately the track uh, Rituals mm-hmm. is, is such a banger. Thank you, man. And thank you, Jerry. We keep seeing his name pop up everywhere of just like, yo, Jerry Monk sent me to that, showed me you guys and it fucking rules. And I'm like... Who like and I think he was we were supposed to go on tour this month and I think 
one of the places that we were playing at is where he is from. So we were, so we were all just kind of like, that's going to be fucking awesome to go there and finally meet this dude who feels like he's been doing more for us advertising wise than we have ourselves. <laughs> so it's, it's, he's, he's been fucking awesome. Yeah. He's an excellent dude. A huge cheers to Jerry for, for keeping extreme metal alive via the yes, internet. To Jerry. Uh, let's touch on that tour. Uh, it was Hath's first real extensive tour, right? We have we had done another tour last year. Um, it was us as the opener on the package. Uh, Macabre was the second band from Wisconsin, and then uh, Cognitive was the headliner. And uh, that was essentially the tour that was going to happen again this month. Except instead of Macabre, it was going to be a band from New York called Cryptodira. And uh, they were going to be the the middle band on the package, but Path was still going to be the opener and Cognitive the closer because I think it was the Cognitive headline tour was what it was supposed to be for. And you're rocking both sets. I am rocking both sets. Do this is just me thinking of logistics because I am a singer that helps out my drummer. Mm-hmm. Do your drums stay there or you strike them and put them back? Uh, it depends on the venue. the The last tour that we did. Um, most of the venues didn't have the stage space. So yeah, we'd set up for half, take them off stage, bring them back on for, for cognitive. Um, excuse me. A lot of the shows for this tour that we were supposed to do looked like they had slightly larger stage. So the, the plan was going to be <laughs> to set my drum set up for half and then just leave it up there for the rest of the night. I would have been like two nights in and I would have been like, we're playing second. do you do need that break though would you be able to do two sets back to back like that i have um we did there was a a festival that we did down here in jersey um where hath and cognitive went played back to back and that's that was fine um the break in between helps but i feel like if it's too long then it fucks me up for the for the cognitive set but if it's relatively close or back to back, like once I'm rolling, it's pretty much I'm I'm good because usually when I'm like practicing for these double duty sets, I'm playing both sets back to back. And for Hath specifically, we we were practicing, I think like five more songs than we were going to be playing every night in the hopes that we could just like rotate some songs out during the set and stuff like that. So like I think I had about forty five minutes to an hour of half material that I was practicing and then the half hour 45 for a cognitive. And I was just playing them back to back when I was rehearsing for it. That's so badass. It's, it must be something like your adrenaline or the endorphins that you get while performing the first set. And then if you play it shortly enough in between the two, you're still on the high versus having that crash. Right. Yeah. The pretty much every night when I finished the cognitive set, I would get off stage start taking my shit down, throw it onto the uh, throw it under the bus and then be like, "All right, no one fucking talk to me. I'm getting in like and then I would usually drive uh the half van uh every night. Well, for most of that tour I was driving just cuz I enjoyed driving and it kind of gets my head away from nothing. <laughs> and so the like every night I was finishing loading up and then it was like, "All right, let's go." I would get in the driver's seat and we would drive to wherever we were sleeping that night and pretty much as soon as we stopped and i could and i felt like everything was done i was out i was done (laughs) (laughs) it's good it's it's good to be spent that way rather than Mm -hmm. not have used your energy i feel uh, some of that that some of these days of social isolation i'm not moving as much as i normally do Mm -hmm. i crawl into bed and i my, my mind is still racing yeah 
because you have nothing to like to to get all the the energy out you're just kind of like stuck at home with it absolutely and two kids <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> uh let's touch back on drumming uh how did you become an extreme drummer where where did that all come from you you learned in school you said and then you got you listened to to death symbolic which was a mm-hmm. very formative record for me as well and where how did you push yourself to try to become gene hoagland <laughs> I think that's the ever the uh, the 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 lifelong struggle to try to be Gene Hoagland. Um, but the it I think it happened with a band that I joined up. It was actually the first band that I joined together with Frank, who's the uh, guitarist and singer for Half. Um, he, the songs that he was writing was more or less in the wheelhouse of stuff that I was already kind of doing. So, like more along the lines of like like thrashy kind of like. Lamb of Gotti, Strapping Young Lad kind of stuff. And then he was writing more and more extreme material and being like, ah, you'll you'll catch up. And um the I think what really flipped the switch was uh it was the year that Niles uh Those Whom the Gods Detest came out. And I was like, this is fucking fast. <laughs> and I had no idea that drummers could or wanted to play that fast. So then he started writing the 260 there. Yeah. So he started writing stuff more like that. And, um, and I think like origin was kind of on his radar at that time too. So he was sending me, I think entity had just came out and, uh, we, he showed me like that, those whom the gods attest and stuff like that. And was like, this is kind of where I want to start writing. So do whatever you got to do to try to, <laughs> to try to be able to like keep up, that quick so it was i think it was a lot of just like i wanted to play the music that was being written so i just had to figure out a way to to keep up ultimately what what steps did you take to to get yourself to that level uh, at the time well because i don't even know that youtube was really big then but uh i ever any and all videos that i could find on uh on george uh Kalias and stuff like that with anything he was teaching um he had that time had also put out like a like a 16 week double bass uh like practice schedule thing so i like downloaded that and had it sitting right next to my drum set and every day i would just sit and run through it for forever until i could uh until i could do it cleanly and i think i, I still have like on that whiteboard back here is the is like the regime that i'm kind of on now which is sort of in the same vein cuz i'm like i have all this time to practice now might as well brush off it's important to stay in shape during these days yeah Uh, i haven't screamed (laughs) since on stage in korea Mm -hmm. in july oh damn and i did some tracks (laughs) yesterday just for some fun little yeah interesting thing and it was horrible so it's important (laughs) (laughs) aj's saying a smart thing right here to stay in shape with your instrument is very important because I was very disappointed in myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think it was like the week, the week that the stay at home went down in New Jersey. I hadn't done anything. I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to take this time. Like all my sessions are canceled. I've got nothing else to do. I usually will work weekends at a full time job that I have. So I'm gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 12 hours a day at work. And then Monday through Thursday, I'm usually home. So my wife and I kind of are like ships in the night. We don't really quite get to spend as much time as we want together. So then that was like, you know what, this whole week, I'm just going to, you know, be here. She's working from home too. So we'll, we'll 
hang out a lot more that way. And then I got behind the the e kit the week after, and I was like, did I forget how to play drums? Like nothing. <laughs> my hands didn't want to do what they should be doing. Like it was uh, it was very disheartening. So I'm like, yeah, like I gotta even if it's for like. 20 minutes a day or something like that just play something just so that way my nothing gets too rusty uh who do you think is uh, one of the best up-and-coming young metal drummers there's a lot of people that come to my mind i don't know if he's even considered up and coming anymore but i feel like uh alex rudinger is like i, I don't need he i still like i watch him and i'm like i don't I don't understand when he, when I was, cause I'm 30 now and I think he is maybe like five or so, maybe a little, a little younger than I am. And I'm like, man, it's uh it's super disheartening because <laughs> I was not nearly that good when, uh, when I was his age. Oh, uh, Matt Tillett from Wormhole is, f- he's a freak of nature. He plays in Wormhole, which is kind of like a tech slam kind of band. And then he's in a, like a math rock band called Noise Says. And every song is just like a masterclass in chops, essentially. It's, 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 he's a wild drummer to watch. That's always fun. I, I like how these young kids are utilizing the tools such as YouTube, mm-hmm. but it's sort of taken away an income for drummers in the future, like from the past. Like Flo put out his Extreme Drumming 101, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And that DVD was very lucrative for him. But now, yeah. but now with YouTube, it's there's no more options for doing something down that path. You have to do like a paid subscription thing, which mm-hmm. is much more work than just putting out a DVD. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a constantly happening and evolving beast, essentially. Whereas a DVD, it was like this is kind of everything that that you need to know right this second, and then you know you're good for like four years or something like that until i can figure out (laughs) something new to to put onto a dvd and then and then put out whereas now yeah like everybody's doing the the like the patreons and the subscription-based stuff so it's like a i can definitely see it being a huge pressure to try to get some schedule of putting something out without being repetitive it has to be creative and and like clearly broken down in your mind before even approaching it and, mm-hmm. and you have to be dedicated. And at the end of the day, we we talked about this with Cryptopsy about it because we were independent about starting a Patreon, but we're just too lazy to to mm-hmm. to provide enough content for people monthly. Yeah. No, I I I I feel like if we were put into a position like that, we would be the same. We would be like, we're not fucking doing that. That's way too much work. Like I remember uh, that band protest, the hero years ago did, they were like one of the first bands to do like a, Hey, you pay us however many dollars a month and you get a free track every month. And I don't know how well that did for them. Cause I think they were kind of really early adopters of that model. But now it feels like everybody's kind of jumped onto that boat, especially now. Cause like now it's, you can't go out and you can't play shows you bands can barely even get together to practice so it's like they got to try to find some way and if putting a song out every month or a song out every couple weeks is is a way to keep people interested and to get some money in your pockets then i'm sure bands are going to start doing that more often that's right you're you're you are right about the protest being one of the first ones because i remember watching that and them doing that and Mm -hmm. it was more so that they they i think they raised 
I could be wrong. Slam me in the comments if I am wrong. I think they raised <laughs> like three hundred thousand dollars, wow. or something, or two hundred and sixty thousand dollars for mm-hmm. the record, which they then went and recorded and then released, and then they did a second one with Patreon because the first one was a GoFundMe. That's what it was. An indie, oh an yes, indie that go-go. was the one. Yeah, that was the one that they had. I think uh, Chris Adler, I think, exactly. played drums on, right? Exactly. And then the second one, they did a Patreon where they dropped a track every month. And once again, correct me if I'm wrong. But then they dropped the album after that, and nobody cared. Yeah, because by that point, I know with me personally, after like the first two songs that they put out, all of them were either getting uploaded to YouTube, like regardless of whether the band wanted them to or not. And or it was there was one month, I feel like, is a huge gap when you're talking about individual singles and when that's all supposed to culminate into one final product, people will either just ignore the monthly part of it and then just wait for the record to come out or they they'll, they'll listen to like the first couple and be like, oh, well, now I'm like three songs behind, like three songs have come out and I haven't listened to them yet. Uh, whatever i'll just wait for the album to come out and then they forget that the album came out so i i i it's it was a weird model for sure and then, like i said i'd be very curious to see how well it did for them in the kind of in the long run but at the time at least to me it was like that's that feels like it's it's like in a weird middle spot where it's too much time in between but also not enough mm-hmm. or something like that content Mm-hmm. And I know disrespect to protest here. I'm, I'm a huge fan. That's not not the point of mm-hmm. my discussion here. Just uh, touching on Patreon and a lot of bands got flack on it back in the day. And you are right that we're going to see a lot more artists jumping on the Patreon band train. There's uh, Allegian and Neo Obliviscaris. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Got a lot of flack mm-hmm. back in the day for for being a metal band and having a patreon but everyone's going to start doing it very soon mm-hmm. because if you can't make money while playing shows there's only so many shirts that you can sell right and, yeah and until technology is up to date and people can actually start doing live stream concert experiences that actually sound good look good and almost yeah. feel like a show it's going to be it's going to take some time so so people are definitely going to start jumping on that that patreon train uh, when do you think we're going to be allowed to start playing shows again? Hmm. I, I, I've, I've had this conversation with Rob from Cognitive pretty often. I feel like they're pushing, at least here in the, in the States, they're, so the way that they kind of planned it out is probably by like the summertime, like July, August, they hope to have everything kind of be business as usual. But I have a feeling that we probably won't see shows happening again until maybe like the fall early winter and even then i don't know what that would even entail like if if it's like a a a show that's getting put on at like a 400 cap room oh you can only allow 100 people in here and then bands are going to start coming out and it's like okay yeah we'll play this room we usually get x amount of dollars when we play this room and it's going to be it's going to be you know it's going to be fine and then they go, oh, well, you know, we would, you guys would usually sell this room out and make this many dollars, but now you can only have like a quarter of the amount of people to come, which means if you want to make that money back, your tickets are now, you know, going to be like $60 and, and you're only allowed like a, a hundred people in this room if you're going to break even or whatever that, you know, whatever the case may be. And 
then becomes the discussion of who is going to pay that much money to then go see these shows. Like the example that we kept using was uh, like if Cannibal Corpse was coming to play um, this this venue around here called the the TLA, and I think that room is maybe like a six or eight hundred cap room. Any day of the week, it could be a, a Monday night at ten o'clock at night. Cannibal Corpse would sell that place out, but the tickets would probably be like twenty-ish dollars, twenty thirty bucks. In a time like now, if they're like, okay, you can only allow like two hundred people into this room, I would bet that those tickets would now be like sixty, seventy dollars, and then whatever the fees would be on top of that, and then it becomes like a, do I want to pay almost a hundred dollars to go see? cannibal corpse in this room kind of thing i i feel like that's kind of where it's going to be so i don't know that we'll see shows until like like maybe early winter maybe even like january february next year i feel like even for clubs that are only allowed 100 people a touring party is 30 to 40 people sometimes right yeah so you're filling the room just in the people who have to be there <laughs> to put the show on plus plus staff and it's it's gonna be mm-hmm. interesting yeah, no, for real. And and it's something that we like throw around like in, in just conversations. And it's when we put it into like that perspective, it's like, that's shitty. That is really shitty. But at the same time, it's like, well, what else? It's either you, you have the show under those stipulations or you don't have any shows at all. And then I think that becomes an even more long-winded conversation and then you gotta imagine all these people that are gonna be starved for going to see live performances so they're gonna pay that money if they Mm -hmm. have the money if the economy bounces back if everything goes back to normal yeah as you're 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 imagining Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 a ride man and we just gotta we just gotta buckle up and hope we don't fall off absolutely (laughs) (laughs) uh what would be a dream tour that you would like to do with any of your projects oh man we we keep a lot of people keep commenting on our our facebook statuses and instagrams and shit that half needs to tour with uh with rivers and uh black crown and uh i think we would all collectively not be able to make that tour because we'd be dead uh because we we're all huge fans of like those bands and and all that so if we ever did a, a show with them even like that would be would be fucking wild um but other than that maybe like if we could get on a tour with like if, if we're talking like totally ridiculous probably would never happen tours it'd probably be like us as like put us on at like 10 o'clock and then give everybody a break to then watch the actual bands that want to play um like ulcerate uh i would love to see ulcerate again um Zrine from iceland i would love to see them again and and play with those dudes and then yeah, Rivers and Black Crown and for and, and as the headliner, maybe throw like Metallica as like the, the headliner. <laughs> well you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once they start having shows again, I think anybody will throw any band up against the wall and just be like, please play play get on this tour and go. <laughs> that that's going to be a reality too. It's gonna be a bunch of summer slaughters that are going to happen i was i was actually going to ask now if you when these shows start happening do you think we're going to get back into like these big almost like festival lineup bands where like every tour package that's going out is like eight to ten bands deep 
or do you think that we're just going to get a ton of like three to four package uh three to four band package uh tours oh if if the money stipulation that we were just speaking about before is actually going to happen then it has to be three to four bands but if we're back to normal which it's going to take i personally believe it's going to be a long time it's Mm. it's 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 going to be summer slaughters all the time because everyone is either postponing rescheduling yeah there's tours already thought of for that time there's only so many venues there's only so many days in the week right it's gonna be fun people need to save their money (laughs) yeah for real (laughs) if they want to see all these crazy tours that will be coming Mm -hmm. but at least everyone's being creative and everyone's staying home and writing some music Mm -hmm. during these times a lot of bands have been saying that they're doing that so that makes me happy the record Mm -hmm. industry has got to get ready to uh find a way to make space for everyone yeah it's yeah (laughs) it's it it, it, like you because you got to think of it too like the so now what do you do with the bands that have so say that touring bands are allowed to start touring again let's say december let's say december the world goes you know what yeah bands can go out and and go tour the bands that already have tours lined up in like december january february whatever do we think that they're going to get pushed back to let the bands that had their tours canceled get out ahead of time or do you think that they're just going to get just whatever's hey guys whatever's open when the world opens up is what you're just going to have to get that's what i would think would happen it's booked it's booked you they people have contracts mm-hmm. there's paperwork it would be right. very very complicated yeah <laughs> aj let's end on a funny little thing i've been doing recently what is your hangover cure my hangover cure uh a a large coffee the the largest coffee i can get my hands on uh excedrin and then the greasiest eggs and meats that I can find, along with, like, potatoes. If I can get some sort of, like, potato with greasy-ass eggs and a meat, a tall coffee, and Excedrin, I'm, I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to go. But you just turned 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me finish today, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow how that works. Perfect, perfect. I'll, put it, I'll, I'll let everyone know in the outro. <laughs> AJ, thank you so much for coming, sharing a craft beer with me. Everybody, go listen to Hath. They are one of my new favorite extreme metal bands. I have been pushing it since I found it and have been trying to organize something with you guys. Thank you so much, AJ. Cheers. No problem. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. AJ is such a great drummer, such a cool, funny, insightful dude. Lots of interesting topics came up during this one and uh, stuff that I've been pondering upon since then, and I've spoken about it with other people. So huge shout out to AJ. Super stoked to have met you via Vox and Hops. Everybody, go and listen to Hath. They were in my top 10 albums of the year last year. I absolutely love that record, and I still listen to it, and I still enjoy it. So please go listen to Hath. They are a band that I believe need much more attention and need much more recognition. So go check them out. Until June 1st, if you have ever imagined having me perform some vocals on one of your tracks, the time is now. Until June 1st, you can go and bid in the For the Nomads silent auction. And if you end up winning, 
you can have me perform on one of your tracks. I'm super stoked to be a part of this. For the Nomads charity was set up by Frank Finelli, who I had on the podcast a few weeks ago. It is an amazing initiative which he has set up. It has raised over $40,000 for out-of-work touring crew members. The crew that travel with the artists while we're on the road are absolutely essential and they are suffering right now because there are no shows, there's nowhere where they can work and Frank Finelli has raised over $40,000 for them. It is amazing. I am super stoked to be able to offer something towards the silent auction. There are a bunch of other amazing artists that have offered up some really, really cool, unique stuff up there so you should just go check it out. Place some bids. Maybe you'll win. Help contribute to the For the Nomads charity. I personally believe it's super important, and I'm so stoked to be able to offer something that can go and help some of these crew members. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope it's beautiful so you can get outside. Enjoy being out of your house safely, people. Social distancing is still essential. Do not forget that. Please keep your distances, but go outside and enjoy yourself. I'll be back next week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsis. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.